0: Are these people who have it all figured out? Well, no. they don't. At least not all of it. They don't have everything figured out. But I can tell you they do have something figured out. You do too. And that's what this show is about. Figuring out what you have figured out. Figuring out what you don't have figured out. And by figuring out how you figured out what you have figured out, figuring out how to figure out what you don't have figured out. Don't worry. I've got it all figured out. I am so excited today to be able to share with you Season 1, Episode 3. This is featuring my wonderful aunt, Joni Swindlehurst. I cannot accurately describe to you what it is like to be in a room that this woman enters, or even better, to enter a room that this woman is already in and to see the expression of joy that washes over her face the moment that she sees you. I know it's not me. I know that it is her. There's definitely something we can all learn from her today. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. You know, it's kind of this pet project of mine that I'm really really excited about doing. And perhaps most selfishly, just because it gives me an excuse to talk to the people that I really admire oh. and that I really love. And also doing my is service- Is that me? Yeah. No. <laughs> yes, of course that's you. And then <laughs> doing my service to the world and allowing everyone to get to know these wonderful people that I know. So, because oh, so now, now this is what's so interesting to me. Your email address is Yes. Is that the one that you use for everybody, or is that just your, like, family connections?
1: That is for everybody. Um, We changed our service for email, and I kind of thought, you know, what can I use that really explains who I am? And I said, you know, I am a mother, I am a wife, but before all that, I was an aunt, and my nieces and nephews were my world. I'm going to cry. And so Ezra and Esther, my mom and dad, your grandma and grandpa, had <laughs> grandchildren. And so I have. <laughs> and it was funny because Ashley says, Mom, how come you didn't say like Rex and Ashley, I love you? You know. <laughs> and <laughs> I said, well, you know, I love you, but see, you're involved. The two of you are there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's that is my email address. Well,
0: speaking of crying, I just have to say, I don't know that I can speak for everyone, but I kind of feel like I can. I will, (laughs) as far as as being one of those grandchildren. We absolutely knew and felt that we
1: were your world. Oh my gosh, you were.
0: Absolutely. And and I just feel like, I know, I can certainly speak for my sisters, that when we think of the person that we want to be the most like, it's Aunt Joni. You poor kids. <laughs> well, what, What's amazing to me is just that we haven't necessarily spent hours and hours and days on days with each other. Right. But your impact in my life, I don't know that it can be overstated. What a wonderful thing to grow up in a Tippett's family. Mm. And just yes. the, the proximity that we shared. Um, being in Southern California there and the opportunity that I had to grow up with my cousins and my aunts and just such wonderful,
1: wonderful people. I I think we were very blessed. And I, you know, living in a small town and having the church be so little there and mm-hmm. for us to be so involved to help it grow there made such a difference for our uh, growth as a family. Also, we were all in this together. It wasn't just, oh, there's just a few, there's a family that moved into our ward type thing. We, we all worked together, you know, to, to build our, you know, the church there in Ramona. And I am so grateful for that. How do you feel that really, um, affected you as an individual? You know, I thought about that often, um, because I grew up pretty much being the only, uh, Latter-day Saint in Ramona. Luckily I had wonderful examples as sisters and brother and mom and dad who taught me and I've always felt such a strong testimony with my beliefs. When I was at school I felt a very strong feeling that I had to be an example to what I believe. And that helped an awful lot and through high school and it was so funny because I think I was pretty much by myself until my sophomore year and then we started getting some more uh, families moving into Ramona who happened to be LDS. It was funny how uh, I would be on campus and I don't know if Mr. Benyaga, did you have Mr. Benyaga? I knew him. In high school? Yeah, you I knew I, him? He was I think I had him first
0: year. Yep. Mm-hmm, for biology yeah. over the summer. You know, he him.
1: was He was quite a character and I would be walking across campus and he would yell, hey Mormon, come <laughs> here. <laughs> and everybody say, Joni, Mr. is calling you. You know, so <laughs> it was always kind of a a little thing that everybody knew and what was neat about it sometimes I felt kind of sad I thought gee you know I don't get to go to parties and no one invites me to the big parties but at school it was a blast I always had so much fun and I remember in my tenth uh, high school reunion a guy said oh Joni we wanted to invite you but we knew it wasn't a good place for you we knew you would be uncomfortable and I thought, wow, that's really neat. I'm glad that they felt that way about me. So that was cool. I enjoyed that. So in a way, doing that shaped my love for respect, for my testimony, and for people who who respected me. I just thought that was really a cool thing.
0: I've got a couple teenagers now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> my children. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just talking to a couple last night. And we we're like, you don't have teenagers. You have babies because you want babies. But then they turn in to teenagers. And it's just an entirely different game, you know, as, as you know, in your own experience. Yes. Um But it's just kind of interesting as you look back on your own life and you're trying to recreate for your children the perfect life. Oh, yeah. As yeah. far as trying to give them the same kind of experiences, you look back in your life and you think, these are the experiences that I had. And kind of like what you're talking about here, and this is what brought me to where I am today. Or, or brought me, I guess, the positive things in yes. my life. The things that I want to be able to give my children. The things that I look at and I say, yes, this is important. This is significant. This is what has made all the difference in my happiness, in my, in my success. And mm-hmm. trying to be able to give that to your children. And ultimately, I don't think probably that your parents were thinking the same thing. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of like wherever we go, the Lord has a plan for us individually. Absolutely. He wants to save all of his children. Mm -hmm. And we do our best, but ultimately it's in God's hands. Yes. And we can try and recreate what was good for us, but thankfully the Lord knows what's good for our children. Yes. And he will work that all out. (laughs) And incidentally, Aunt Joni, there was something that I wanted to talk to you about not necessarily for the podcast. Uh-huh. So just in that, this is kind of an odd thing. Growing up, apparently, okay, so first confirm, was there a time when your husband was not active in the church?
1: He always had a testimony, and yes. There, but it was one of these things where when we dated, he, he was a worker at the temple, returned missionary. Everything was just amazing. And I was so excited. And then when we got married, it was, um, you know, the honeymoon phase. Like, oh, we're going to go away for the weekend. We're going to do this and that, you know. And uh, then he got a job that was 60 miles away from us. And he had to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, get on the road by 4.30. And sometimes he wouldn't get home until 7, 7.30 at night. Hmm. And he was exhausted. And so when the weekends came, he slept pretty much during the whole weekend. And it was very rare that he was, he felt like he could go to church. Now, um, he did have a calling though. So we did have, um, I think he was, the uh, uh, employment specialist for our, I think our second, our second year of marriage and uh, so that was good that gave him something to do so he had to do it but then he didn't have anything much to do after that mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of times Sundays rolled around and he was sleeping mm-hmm. and I remember thinking this isn't what I thought was gonna happen <laughs> and but I thought of mom because even grandpa my, my dad your grandpa um, had had bouts of that too I think he grew up with a very active father, and he didn't like his dad being gone all the time doing state jobs. Mm -hmm. So his his feeling was, you know, I know the church is true, but I'm not going to get so busy in it. And uh, so when he became uh, branch president, uh, that really, he stepped into the plate, and it was wonderful. But then when he was released, (laughs) and all of his brothers were dying and going to heaven, he says, I got to be bad because I don't want to go to heaven yet. (laughs) So... (laughs) that's another story He's yeah that's that's a real cool story but I'll tell you that some other day but anyway um so it was very hard and I remember going to church by myself and then when I was going to have the babies and then had the babies um, I, you know I was I was by myself primary president bringing in the kids you know 18 months apart nursery three-year-old it was just crazy and I remember thinking, this isn't what I planned for, but I'm doing it because my mom did it. Even though my dad didn't always go, my mom did Mm because that was the thing to do. And that's what I did because I loved the Lord and I loved the gospel. And I knew that he wanted me to be there too, not not only for me, but for others that uh, I needed to be there. So, but Rod always paid tithing. And he always, I knew he had a testimony. We always had family prayer. He just didn't go to church. But one day when Rex was four years old, he said to me, mom, I'm going to stay home with dad. I'm not going to church anymore. (laughs) And Rod happened to hear that because he was upstairs when I was getting ready. And he said, oh, son, I'm going to church. And he got up and got ready for church. And he's been active ever since. Oh, my goodness. So it shows you that children really have an impact on what we as parents see and how they teach us. So, yeah. Uh, so, and he's been active ever since. So, I mean, real active, I mm-hmm. should say, going all the time. So that was, that's been my uh, uh, experience on that.
0: So, Aunt Joni, would you please kind of give your biographical sketch for people who have never met you? People who will listen to this are people who... Love you already, and already know a lot about you, but also hopefully some people who haven't had the great pleasure of meeting you. What would you like to kind of? How would you frame your life to kind of get uh-huh. an idea of who Aunt Joni is? How, how did you get to be where you are?
1: Well, luckily and so blessed to be born into a, an amazing family, and I think we talked about that being born into an amazing family. My mom and Dad were just adorable people, and uh, Dad was strict, and it, we, you never knew <laughs> you never knew when he was upset until you got an uh, upshake. We had upshakes. That was the back of the hair being pulled. Mm. <laughs> Nothing we could do about that. <laughs> just like, <laughs> "Oh, okay." And um, anyway, so uh, but he loved us, and so and I was the youngest of six, just like you, mm mm-hmm four sisters and one brother my oldest sisters your mama and we grew up on a big ranch I grew up on a big ranch mom and dad moved to the castle ranch in 1957 January and I was born two months later and so it was kind of a my dear mother had to move five children and move into this huge 12,000 square-foot home Six months pregnant or eight or seven months pregnant <laughs> and yet she did it, and growing up, we live six miles out of town, so having lots of neighbors was not an option I and my mother both we talked about this that why we are so close too is that we were each other's friends most of the time mm-hmm. and then, of course, like I had mentioned before, that uh being the only members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in this small little town. Um, we all worked together to grow a population of, of saints and to spread the gospel. And that was a, a wonderful thing that never left our home. And our home was full of music. And one thing that I loved is being on the ranch I would go out by myself hiking and I would sing like the princesses of Disneyland. And I would <laughs> kept thinking that the little birds would come and land on my hands and, you know, sing well, along. Well, did with they? Me. Did they ever? No, they flew oh. away really fast. All right, all right. <laughs> but I had always felt so blessed to have that situation and to love nature, love animals. Uh, Loved horses, loved cows, didn't like chickens. They attacked me a lot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, then going to high school, learning many things. One bad point about that, however, was that um, I had such wonderful students as sisters and a brother that when I came along, all my teachers, most of the teachers had them and said to me, oh, you don't have to do this assignment because we know you'll get an A anyway. So I was babied a lot in high school. I had no idea what I was doing because my teachers just said, "Ah, you're fine, don't worry about it. And I would get A's and B's all the time.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And then I went to college and I went, What do you mean I have to do this? What are you talking about? (laughs) Don't you know (laughs) who I am? Don't you know know my sister? (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was a really, it was a shocker. And uh, dear Ramona, they thought they were doing a good thing, but maybe not. Uh, Also, my dad uh, was a dentist and he worked downtown San Diego. Um, But on Saturdays, he had a little sagebrush practice, we called it, at the house that I grew up in. And we had serviced a lot of the people of Ramona to come. So it was his opportunity to teach all of us daughters how to be receptionists and how to be professional and how to be dental assistants. And my brother, Tom, he taught basically how the technical stuff, you know, and of that. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great learning experience to to be put in at that time. Um, And then I went, after high school, I went to junior college for two years. And then I transferred over to Brigham Young University. I was very homesick my first year. Oh my gosh, I missed my family so badly. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. So after a year being at BYU, I came home and got a job at a tall shop because I'm 5'10". And there was a tall shop down in Fashion Valley in San Diego called Shelly's Tall Girl, which isn't around anymore. But it was fabulous. And I learned so much from that uh, experience. And I became the assistant manager. And it was so fun to to have the tall girls come in and we fit and we played. It was just, it was right up my alley. So then I went back to BYU. And I thought, I'm going to go into fashion merchandising. And so I started doing that. And then I met my husband. And it kind of fell out the window. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of flew out the window of what college life was for me. And it just so happened um, that I had my assistant assistant. Uh, district manager for Shelly's Tall Girl, while I was at school, call me and say, Joni, we need a manager down here at, at uh, Glendale Galleria there in um, Los Angeles in Glendale. And I said, I'm sorry, but Mary Marilyn, I, I, I'm at school. And she goes, well, I know that, but I just had a feeling that you needed to come be here. So I said, well, I can't do it. But at that time, my husband was working down. He graduated from law school, and he was working down at Beverly Hills. And so I thought, well, gee, maybe I could go and finish the courtship down there. And (laughs) so what happened then was I did the stupor of thought decision Mm -hmm. that was told to Oliver Cowdery. And for two days, I fasted and prayed, and I wrote down all my goals for school, and I wrote down all my pros and cons for going and leaving school. Mm-hmm. And after the prayer, I got up and looked at my list, and the school made no sense. It almost looked like it was in a, written in a foreign language hmm. that I could not understand. So I left school. And went down to uh, Los Angeles, worked at the Glendale Galleria, lived in Hollywood for about six months, and my husband passed the bar, and he asked me to marry him, and off we went. So I didn't, I never finished college, which was kind of um, interesting to me because I thought I would,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but um, I, I have thought about going back to school, and I thought, you know what? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to be, I am kind of a little perfectionist to the point where if I don't get an A, I kind of get a little upset. Okay. And I thought, I'm not sure I'm ready for that again. <laughs> so anyway, that's, and then uh, we got married in 1981 at the Lo- and we were sealed at the Los Angeles temple. May 16th. So it's going to be 40 years this year, this, <gasps> uh, coming up May. Oh Can't my goodness! Congratulations! It. I know, forty years. Um, and uh, then, let's see what happened then. Oh yeah, then I had. Um, we didn't know if we were going to be parents. It took us four years to get our hmm. first child, and and we are working on it. And I remember thinking just before we we um, found out that we were going to have Ashley. Rod and I both said, well, we'll just be really good aunts and uncles and I'll be the, the auntie that they can hear me a mile away with the bracelets and the <laughs> coming and, <laughs> and I will be the eccentric auntie that will come to visit. You know, I really felt like I was, I'll be okay because number one, During the high school years, my junior, uh, see, Holly, your big sister, was born when I was almost 10. Mm -hmm. And so I pretty much grew up with all you kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, you were my children. And and so I felt like, well, if if I'm not blessed with children of my own, I have my nieces and my nephews. And they'll be just fine. And I will love them. So that worked out. And then Ashley was born in 1985. And then Rex surprised us at 1986. And, uh, so, and that was all the babies I had. So uh, the Lord only saw fit. And I wanted six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted six kids. And all I got was two. But that's okay. I, you know, but what and they two are great wonderful. kids you had. I mean, oh, my gosh. They're really. Raising. They are. They are wonderful children. And I'm so very blessed. And so right now, I'm just kind of, you know, it's just living life, living the dream ever since they left the home. And and I have lots of, um, I try to have lots of parties at my house. But as you know, my husband thinks differently. He has a lawyer brain and I have a uh, creative brain. So mm-hmm. he's left, I'm right, which I always thought it was right anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we compromised and we do every other year. So... Um, I have the even years, which happened to be last year, uh, COVID. Mm. And he has the odd years, which I thought was perfect, because I think it's odd that nobody wants parties. And so, <laughs> anyway, and that's how we've worked out our, our um, likes and dislikes. So it worked out pretty good. And um, that's, so that's basically who I am, I guess. Is that... Well, we can all
0: understand Uncle Rod not needing to have any additional parties because he lives with you every day. So yes, he, he anybody it. else would just be <laughs> overload and really just kind of second rate. You know,
1: when you're married to Joni, why would you need anyone else around? I do, I, do, I do know that some days he really loves the quiet. So that's when I kind of tiptoe around. <laughs> that's when I'm going shopping. So this last year was kind of hard, but it worked out. <laughs> right, well, a big yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that
0: is just wonderful. I think it's um, really good and, and impressive. And, and in some ways, I would say that's probably one of the things that you had figured out as far as having, um, I don't want to say having to deal with, but how about navigating when your spouse has a very different temperament than you do? Yes. And figuring out how to have both of your needs met and still be able to have your
1: relationship work definitely I remember early on in our marriage because before we dated it was a lot of let's do this let's do that let's do this and then we got married and it was like no I don't want to do that I remember (laughs) asking him I said why I you know why are you not wanting to go and do these things he goes because we're married now I don't have to (laughs) Oh. I would like, that's no reason, <laughs> but he thought it was a good one. So anyway, and I remember kind of fighting that for the first, uh, oh golly, especially after the kids were born and I had a lot of children. I had the two children and I would love to have had a, a good getaway to the cow's ball, you know. Mm-hmm. And our Stake Relief Society um, president at one of our women's conferences, she was married to an engineer and she was saying, Uh, about how he thinks which is not how she thinks and that if she wanted a romantic getaway or if she wanted a picnic she had to be the one to do it and I remember thinking how awful that's terrible that shouldn't be how it is Mm. and I remember really kind of fighting that what she said but you know what? As I kind of buzzed around in my brain, I says, you're right. I married a man who that is not important. Those things aren't important. What's important to him is that he gives me a, a home and he provides for his children and that he, he wants to be loved for who he is. And that really, it, it resonated with me. So that's when I started saying I have to make my own magic and that's kind of the big thing that I figured out that I alone make my own magic that nobody else can do it for me. Only I can. So I started doing these little family planning and sometimes it was met with yeah this is great sometimes it wasn't but I did it anyway (laughs) and I'm a very good pretender and I just thought well this is the story so we're gonna just skip come on skip yeah okay you don't want to skip well I'm skipping you know (laughs) I just figured this is the way it is and I've made my own magic and it like I said it works probably 95% of the time every once in a while uh, you get a little low, and you think, "Darn, I'm doing this all by myself." But most of the time, I'm happy about my situation. Haha, I
0: love it. Mm-hmm. I love it that, and I just have to say, I am always willing to go with you on your magical adventures. Oh, good, let's go. <laughs> it's so wonderful to hear you saying that you make your own magic, that it's not something that just falls in your lap. And right. so often when we look at other people, we think that they're somehow different than we are. Yes. Right, like they've just been blessed with this thing and I can't have that kind of experience or I can't have that kind of life because they just lucked out Yeah, and, and I didn't and I'm unlucky, right. they're lucky and I'm not. But just to know that it's a conscious decision on your part yes. to make the magic in your life. Maybe movies kind of do us this disservice, right? Mm. As Definitely. far as in two hours, all your problems are solved, right? And it's magical. And, and you don't see, you know, three years down the road in, in the relationship <laughs> and, and kind of how things shake out in reality. And, right. and I think that's an important thing to remember, too, is at the beginning of a relationship, it is magical. Oh, yes. But then you have to work to make that magic happen.
1: That brings my memory to President Uchtdorf's talk he gave many years ago about that we are living a fairy tale, that at the beginning it's wonderful, but then the dragons and the uh, evil witches and the wizards come in and stir up the pot. Mm -hmm. And at the end, when we have it all figured out and we've fought the dragons and we've defeated the wizards, the evil wizards, that we are content with what we have at the end and we do live a happily ever after. And we are promised that we will live a happily ever after. And I just, I love that talk. I can't remember when he did it, but it was, I think he he's gave it to either the young women or could have been the youth. But it was, it was perfect how he explained it. And so we all live a fairy tale. We all live a story. And depending on how you want to write your story, that's up to us. That's the choice that we make. And to try to follow all the positives and all the magic, And all the love, it's not easy. But if you decide you're going to do it, it it makes life so much better. And it makes you stronger to fight the dragons and the evil wizards so that you can live that happily ever after. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I like talking about
0: fantasy. I'm also very drawn to whimsical things. Yes. And uh, fantastic and beautiful even as we're talking even more, I'm like, well, I'm even more like Aunt Joni than I thought. This is wonderful. <laughs> what a great boost to my self-esteem. <laughs> um, oh. you, you have this um, as well, but just kind of wanting to be taken seriously.
1: Oh, my gosh, yes.
0: And then this whole idea of fantastic fantasy kind of things takes away from our seriousness. Mm-hmm. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it's really about beauty yes. and finding beauty in life. Definitely, and that is one hundred percent a choice, and you can kind of think of fantasy as being like an escape from reality, mm-hmm. right? That's not how life really is. Life is no. really about you know disease and terrorism and all <laughs> these age. yeah, and yeah. and all these you know <laughs> these realities that we just have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the fantastic and the beautiful and the possibility is much more empowering than reacting
1: to what you're viewing as a reality. Absolutely. My mother was a very good example of that too. Uh, you know how people are, some people are so afraid of aging. She never was. Mm. She was beautiful all the way and she never, she's, she would say, you know, one time we were together in the car and she was reading a map and it was upside down and she started to laugh. She says, Well, I may be old, but you have to admit I'm entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> She was so sweet about it, and it taught me that you look for the beauty in everything, and it's there the silver linings, there the flowers are amongst the weeds, and you just do. You just, it's funny talking about seriously, um, serious things. I, you know, with this come follow me that we've had so much, it's just been a blessing. Um, Ashley, my daughter, who is also an attorney, who has. She has a lot of me, but she has a lot of her dad. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of that left brain thinking. And so when we, she was here for, with us for nine months working. From our home because she just bought a house and she's I can't live in this house there's nothing here so she (laughs) there's nobody here I can't see anybody I can't talk to anybody I'm lonesome I'm coming up so she lived with us for nine months this last year and it was so fun and then we would get to have our come follow me or or it doesn't even mean that it could be a discussion around the table about politics and I feel like I I'm very informed about that and very informed about the scriptures and trying to do things and i would try to put in my two cents and both of them would kind of look at me with this what? and i it was so hard for me to try to communicate with those who are the doctors of words. Both have doctorates, basically of words because that's what they're trained to mm-hmm. do. Every word means something and it means exactly what it's supposed to mean, not whatever. So that was hard for me to figure out wait a minute, they're looking at me like I have no idea what I'm talking about. And and I thought, how can you not see this? How can you not see what I'm trying to say? And that was frustrating to me. So then after a while, I just thought, okay, what you need to do, and I would pray about it because it really started to bother me that my daughter and my husband just thought I was off in outer space someplace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I realized... What you need to do is what Heavenly Father tells us to do all the time. Be still. Be still and listen. And I listened to everything they said. And then if I was asked, I would give my opinion. And then I would say, it is how I see it. So that's, anyway, that's, that's, how I figured that out fast this last year. <laughs> having Living with two lawyers is like having, having a discussion on every little thing you do. <laughs> <laughs> There's always gotta be, why? <laughs> because. <laughs> Well, anyway, blessings fun. to you, Aunt Joni. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a tough year, not just for the virus.
0: <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness.
1: Well, you talked about something that we figured out that is uh, temporal. Mm-hmm. And I have figured something out. Everyone has their own way of doing things. And it doesn't mean it's right or it's wrong. One story that came to my mind was when we are first married, my husband folded the towels differently than I was taught. And I would tell him, you need to fold them in thirds. And he says, why? And I said, (laughs) I said, because my mother was a nurse and she knows everything. And that's how she taught me. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, I kind of fought that for a long time. If he did the laundry, which he does now, and guess what? He does not fold them in thirds. Still. <laughs> he folds them just like folding. Mm-hmm. And so I look at it and I go, it's done. does it matter if it's in thirds. In fact, one day after Mom and my mom and dad had been empty nesters for many, many, many years, and I went to go stay with her. I went to the cupboard to get towels. And guess what? They were not folded in (gasps) thirds. And I said, Mother, (laughs) what? how come your towels aren't folded in thirds? She goes, well, it's just a little easier to have them fit in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized that everybody is still trying to figure it out. And it doesn't mean what they do, how they do things is wrong or how you do things are right. If it's done, be happy. So that was the temporal part. And the philosophy part was we as feelings and humans and life, it changes all the time. So as soon as you think you have figured something out, it changes. Mm. So I think our, our duty in life, our, our calling in life is to constantly figure things out. There are a few things temporally. It says, hey, this works for me and this was going to be fine. But I think spiritually, we have to always keep learning. And I learned this from my husband's brother's son, who happens to be Jeremy. So I had two Jeremys. Mm. I have two two Jeremys as nephews. And there was a situation going on in the family where one of our Family members in in the Smittlehurst area have kind of fell away from the church. And we were all very kind of concerned about what they were going through. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my nephew who happens to be a lawyer. He's out (laughs) in North Carolina. But he says, Aunt Joni, it's a long game to get back to Heavenly Father. Our life and our situation is just a snapshot of the long journey home. And it changes all the time. And so I I thought, that is so wise. It's so true. Why are we worried about this situation? Are they still a good person? Yes. Are they still trying their hardest? Yes. They kind of fell off and let go of the rod a little bit. But it'll, it's only a snapshot. Down the road, they may say, wow, this other way is best. And they'll come back to the rod and hold on strong. Mm-hmm. And it has made my heart feel so much happier knowing that this is not the end. It continues. Uh, Every day continues. And I've learned throughout my life that the only thing permanent in life is change, but the only thing permanent in man is God. And with that, it makes it a lot easier to figure things out because it's going to change. And eternity is what I always look for. and mm-hmm. oh, I got to tell you this. Uh, <laughs> one of my dear friends, college roommates that I have uh, she is adorable and she married a man later in life and he's he's very good but he has he suffers from bipolar. And she told me once that every once in a while I see the man that I married and I say, that's the man I'm going to spend eternity with and she will dwell on that. And that helped me through many of my situations or my um, back to reality with my relationship with my dear husband. That when he's cranky, he's my little curmudgeon, when he's cranky I think, okay, that's not all of him. That's just part of him. And the part that I love, that's the thing I cling on to because I really believe that We All of our foils, all of our real bad demons that we have to work with is is going to be healed in the hereafter and through the millennium. So you concentrate and you build your love on the positive. It doesn't mean that every day it's going to be perfect, but it does mean there's hope along and it will come. That basically is what I've found. So oh. in my life, I don't know. I haven't figured <laughs> it out yet. I keep trying. <laughs> you make the
0: good point. Life is a moving target. Yeah. It's always changing. We're always having upsets. And certainly this, you know, this whole COVID thing has been a huge upset across the entire world. I don't know that there's yeah. anyone who hasn't been affected by it. Maybe right. some like remote tribes in the Amazon jungle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But that,
0: have, that just have no contact. But, but for those of us who are kind of plugged into this global world that we live in now, it's been super significant. And I think we've all found ourselves in positions that we would say, I never thought that this would be happening in my life. Right. But I think we have that regardless. At at some point, just as you were talking about early on in your marriage, that you were this kind of, this isn't what I signed up for, right? This isn't the line that I got into. You know, I made some choices in my life, they were for a specific outcome, and now it's not happening. Exactly. But the important thing is, so often, I think, I feel like in my life, I get to a point where I feel like I don't have anything figured out. Oh, yeah. And we can get overwhelmed by that. And I think it's really helpful for us to say, you know, there are things that I have figured out. I guess really what it is, it's a matter of being able to get your life closer in line to your true values. And for me, those values come from God, right? Yes. So, so I say, when I feel like I have something figured out, it's like, oh, this is what I've been taught or this is what I've read in the scriptures, but now I'm able to live it. Yes. And now it makes sense. It's not just a, an intellectual understanding, but now I do have it figured out. I can live it. I know what it means and it brings meaning to my life. Yes. And and I've progressed. I guess that's also what figuring something out is. I've progressed. I've leveled up. Yes. In something. Something that I've struggled with, but now I've conquered it.
1: Absolutely. And and it's it's the feeling, it's what the Holy Ghost has has witnessed to you that is the strongest. We could read all day long the scriptures, but if we don't ever have that deep witness of the Holy Ghost in our hearts, then we will always be trying to figure something out that doesn't, you know, that isn't important. Our feeling has so much to do about it, and there's so much. President Nelson said we have to be in our state right now to get that one-on-one revelation and and communication with our Heavenly Father and to feel the strength that he has. We had state conference yesterday, and we had elder... um, Slaughter. He's a dentist. was not that a great name? Dr. Slaughter. <laughs> anyway, it's almost as good
0: as Dr. Payne when you're a dentist, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and for my husband, who's a lawyer, Swindle. Right. Nurse, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway. I deal mainly um, with
0: the state law, Swindle. Right. House. Yeah, <laughs> that's <you> great.
1: <laughs> anyway, he said something that really was so perfect. And he said that on our days where we feel like we can't figure it out and that we're hitting a wall, He said, what we bring to the Savior, what we can bring, what we can only bring to the Savior is accepted, that our offering has been accepted by the Savior when we give what we can give that day. It's not because we are good enough to give our offering to the Savior, but that Jesus, the Redeemer, whom we give will take the rest by his grace, his mercy, his merits, and his salvations. I thought, wow, because there are days you just feel like you can't measure up, that you just can't go on. But what you can give, he takes and he accepts as an offering. It's like the widow's mite, mm-hmm. and he understands that that day you can only give this much. So it's not, we cannot berate ourselves and feel badly because satan wants us to feel badly that that's all we can give that day but our savior jesus christ accepts that and he loves it that he Mm -hmm. that we gave what we could give that day i thought that was cool
0: you know it's interesting as we talk about um having that witness and that deep spiritual conversion i guess the witness isn't the conversion right because we can feel that and then not necessarily do anything with it that's true true. and we can try it and it's going to take several tries for us to truly overcome to be truly transformed to be converted and i think that's the that's what we're all looking for Mm -hmm. and we have to remember that it is that process that you have to first mentally understand it you have to feel it emotionally but Mm -hmm. then you have to actually do it and i think the the problem comes particularly when we do have that witness and we know what we're supposed to be doing, but then we're still not doing it.
1: Right. right. That can be
0: something that's particularly frustrating. And, and speaking about the adversary trying to come in and kind of steal our joy oh, and try and make us t- to give up at that point. Because there is a, there's a fair amount of pain that comes from disappointment in yourself not being able to live what you truly believe. I assume other people have this experience, but I know what's right and I know what needs to be done but then I still don't do it. You know, and then I'm at the end of the day and you can feel yourself, you're like, am I even worthy to repent? Isn't this just kind of waste of everyone's time when you feel like, I know I'm not gonna do it. (laughs) I know I should be doing it, but I have not, you know, I keep messing up and and we can get very frustrated in that point, but I think that's what happens when we get very focused on ourselves and we're looking at our own performance. And, yes. I, and I think the insight is that we won't be good enough. And that's not the point. The point is for us to be transformed through love to keep working anyway.
1: Yes, keep trying. You and never to keep give up. going. Yeah. And
0: even at some point, learning how to be able to accept love and even when we don't feel like we're worth it. Because mm-hmm. Christ's that's love is infinite. His atonement is infinite. And that's part of the thing that we have to figure out is how do I feel love even when I'm imperfect so then I can actually continue to give love to those people around me who are also imperfect?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And to know that we are all, like you said, we are all imperfect and not everybody has a perfect day. So we have to be so patient and so loving. Mm -hmm. I had uh, an experience when I was going to college, uh, junior college down at Grossmont, in Santee, and I came from Ramona going down highway, oh, is it 67? Yeah, I guess that's how you get down to Santee. I can't remember right now. Yeah, no, that's right. It's been 40 years. Anyway, (laughs) going down the hill Mm -hmm. to go to college that way, and I get on the 8, and there's a sig alert, and I'm going to be late for my classes, and it happened to be a hot day, and I was driving the little Volkswagen Dasher, no air conditioning, black interior. The sun was beating in on us and i was i was just so frustrated that i wasn't going to make class in time and that i was hot i hate being hot mm-hmm. i'd rather be cold than hot I hate being hot and i was looking around and everybody else had this scowl on their face too it was just like ah and i remember thinking i just don't i just oh everybody just looks so mad i just hate everybody in this world today <laughs> and just then and it was it was only i think in my head but i felt like my my little car lit up, and as clear as day, I heard in my heart and in my head, Joni, look around you. They are all your brothers and sisters. They all chose Jesus' side. We all loved each other, and they are your family. And I'll tell you something, Ellery, that changed my way of thinking and seeing other people. And it was that was a real turning point in my life. So here I was, you know, 19 years old, having that revelation that I will never forget that it was there, that everybody on this earth, on this earth, we knew and we loved because we are family. Hmm. And, and some of us, a lot of us have lost our way, but a lot of us are going to find our way home and we are going to try to help everybody do the same. That, I have to say, you had talked about what changed your life. That was the biggest thing in my life that changed my life. And so when I go out in the world and I see people, I smile and I help them. And I try so hard to see if they need my help. Now, of course, I'm not going to go up to some gang member or something, (laughs) give them a hug or whatever. But, you know, I still smile because they probably don't have a smile of people. I truly believe that I I was given that gift that day, that hot day in San Diego, the gift to really see my fellow beings here on earth as my family. And that has made a huge difference in my life. Wow. What a spiritual (laughs) gift. Yeah, that was amazing. To have that. And so young. So young in your life. Yeah, so young. So young. And it really... I thank Heavenly Father every day for that experience. And when I get in the car to go shopping or something, I always have a prayer that I can have the spirit of discernment and that I can, you know, be a help to someone or a smile or... and. I always come back walking on cloud nine from Mm -hmm. being out in the world because it was such a, I remember going to Disneyland with Ashley last year. I mean, the year before, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of a sudden I just was looking at everybody looking happy and having such a great time. And I remember thinking, this is what it's going to be like in heaven. Everyone's going to have joy. And Mm -hmm. I And I just had such love for every single person in that park that I could see at that time. And I told Ashley, I says, my heart is going to burst by seeing so many people that I love so happy. And I don't even know who they are. So that was interesting. That was another experience that hit me. (laughs) What a motivating
0: thing to think about, you know, as we progress in life and we start to have more people on the other side. Right, that that we're separated from while we're here on Earth. Oh yes. And the beauty of thinking of being with so many people that I love, who are filled with
1: joy. That is the ultimate joy, don't you think? Absolutely, and reunited with those we love.
0: And just the power of being able to have an eye of faith of that. Mm -hmm. You know, choosing to see that and feel that. What a difference it makes! What a difference it makes! And and just thinking about um, as you're talking about preparing yourself to go out into the world and how that changes your experience while you're there. And absolutely others feel that Mm -hmm. they're touched by that. And you're touched by that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what a small and simple thing. And yet such great dividends. And so many things in life are exactly like that.
1: What am I trying to say that heaven is closer than we ever can imagine? And that they are here. And if we think of them one day, in fact, there's a book called The Message. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Mm -mm. But it's about um, a man uh, from Idaho who was in a coma uh, for two weeks and he visited heaven. And one of the things he said is that he was told that when you all of a sudden just are doing something and all of a sudden one of your loved ones who had passed on is in your head you know if all of a sudden you think of their name they are there isn't that neat oh wow and and you just kind of and so i i found that many times in fact i when i'm outside kind of working with with wood i think all of a sudden i think of your dad i go is this what you do? <laughs> I says, "How do I fix this?" You know.
0: <laughs> you know he has visited more than just you in a similar situation. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I know I that. see. I tell you he yep, is. Yep. He is. And I feel mama, I feel daddy. I you know, I feel I just it's just they are so close that it's um, that we are going to be so surprised how much they have been our angels through this mm-hmm. thing called earthly life. It'll be fun to find out, and or oh, maybe even embarrassing too. Like, oh my gosh, you were there! <laughs> <laughs> well, we also have to think about how fun
0: it's going to be when it's our turn to be the angels.
1: Yes, I can't wait. I right? told Ashley many times I'm going to haunt her. <laughs> no, no, don't. <laughs> I, I thought, too, I thought, I think it would be fun to go to the ranch and be one of the ghosts. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure.
0: Up there with Amy there, Strong. No, 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 Yeah, yeah exactly. I always <laughs> thought she
1: was there. Um, had some interesting experiences growing up there, too, but I always felt that it was always with love. It was never something scary. Mm-hmm. So that's neat. Yeah, I can't wait to meet her. That's going to be fun. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Ellery, this has been so fun. Oh, my
0: gosh. I can hardly stand it. I it, know. Is, it is so wonderful it just makes me it just makes me want to be in heaven with all my aunties that's I know. <laughs> oh we're gonna
1: have so much fun yes. oh my goodness <laughs> and our voices will never get tired that's never, the thing never 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 we won't have colds or, nope. or bronchitis or <laughs> anything it'll be so fun.
0: we'll just be able to talk okay. and sing forever
1: talk and sing forever i,
0: I don't know where our husbands will be during all this talking and singing because i don't <sighs> think it will be he- heaven to them
1: no, I think he'll. My husband will be with Uncle Reed, and everybody else out shooting something. You know? Oh, there! And how how great how great it will be in the millennium! You you know shooting all the deer and everything, and then the deer fall down, and they jump up, they go, "Hey, that was a great shot!" Yeah, <laughs> there's no death. That doesn't there's mean there's no, no hunting. Right? That's right. <laughs> Let's do that again. Let, this time, let me run up the hill and see if you can get me in that path. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be real interesting. But whatever it is, it's going to be joyful. I was going to say, we've
0: painted a pretty interesting picture of the afterlife in this conversation. So Mm -hmm. uh...
1: (laughs) All we know is it's going to be full of love and joy. Right. uh, President Oaks said uh, in the general conference talk about two years ago, he said, We are all going to feel joy, all of us. Even those that maybe choose not to be in the celestial world, Mm -hmm. we will still all have joy.
0: Since you do so much entertaining, do you have any party tips? Do you have, like when you're going to have one of these big gatherings, how do you figure out, even something like how many mashed potatoes, or do you have any kind of, those kind of... Easy tips yeah, like I'm that.
1: Not, yeah, I'm not real good at that, but I try. I, <laughs> one thing Mama always said, my mom, if you have a big bowl and you only have a little bit to put in that big bowl, make extra so it looks like it's always overflowing. She's, mm-hmm. So <laughs> try, to, try to put your things in the appropriate bowl or pan to make it look like it's overflowing. <laughs> and then uh, you, it's better to have more than not enough. So I a lot of times I would <laughs> just go crazy and have more, um, and also simplicity. I think oh this is it. yeah also simplicity uh, because people aren't going to remember so much the beautiful flowers that are on the cookies as they are going to uh, enjoy the taste mm-hmm. of the cookies. But but also presentation is key too for the decorating. Um, and this is something that's happened to be a hundred million times. I would be ready, getting ready for a party and people are going to show up in two hours or so. And I'll tell you probably 90% of the time I get a phone call from a ministering sister or a family member who is in need or a friend, a neighbor. And I go, Oh my gosh, I've got a party in two hours and they want me to go pick them up because they got a flat tire. How, how am I going to do this? And always in my head is told to me, Joni, this is why you're here on earth. Everything will work out. So I run and do my fast errand, come back, and I find that there are a few things that I plan to do to make my party even more spectacular, but I haven't done yet because I had to go do the Lord's errand. I forget. I just say, it's not important. Hmm. And the party always turns out fabulous. So, because they will never know what Mm -hmm. I had planned that I didn't finish. And so you just enjoy and have fun. And that's what I do. And I... You know, I plan too. I plan like, okay, like the the day before everything will be decorated. And and then the food, sometimes I could do food that I can put in the freezer and then let it thaw the next day and warm it up or just whatever. If I can do things ahead of time is great. But the worst thing is when it's time to sit and eat, that is your busiest time. That's when Mm. you're going around like a chicken with the head cut off (laughs) because you always have to get the things on the table. That cannot sit. They mm-hmm. have to be on there at that time. So you have to be patient with yourself and patient with those who are helping you, because it's uh, it's just it's mayhem. And I don't. You've seen that Thanksgiving or whatever. It's just mm-hmm. like okay, everything's prepared, but then the last ten minutes, you're going ah! I gotta get this and this <laughs> and that and that and this. It's just crazy. So just always prepare for that. So that's my entertaining thing. Just have fun and and just plan and have fun. And if it doesn't work out, you're still there with your friends and family and just have fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Order a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I want to tell you too, when you have, um, when I've gone to some of your plays and I have seen you perform and I've just seen you with others, oh my gosh, I have felt the same connection with you. And I said, oh, she's just so beautiful and so talented. Oh, I think we all to sit and think, isn't it wonderful that our Heavenly Father has given us so many gifts, especially in this family of music and, and acting and creating, that we can share with so many people and hopefully hopefully live up to what Heavenly Father and we do live up to what He has given us and to spread our gifts around to make people happy and bring them mm-hmm. joy.
0: hate to say I told you so, but well, who are we kidding? I don't hate to say I told you so. I enjoy saying I told you so, and I told you so. That was my Aunt Joni. She is wonderful. I'm sorry that you're jealous now that she's not your aunt. Or if you are my cousin, or her child, then you're just thinking about how lucky you are, which is great too. I encourage you to take the time to reach out to someone who's really made an impact on your life. Someone that maybe you haven't necessarily expressed that to It was a really beautiful experience to be able to do that and a worthwhile one. So I encourage you to do that. And as long as I'm encouraging you to do things, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. Leave it a review if you like it. If you don't like it, as my mother has always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. If you have a complaint or concern, please feel free Email me at figuredout at zohomail.com. Until next time.